Hello and welcome to Sisters Who Stan, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the stories and shows that made us and explores the questions they've left us asking. I'm Emma. And I'm Bridie. Buckle in as we prepare to celebrate the weird and wonderful world of fandom. Bridie, would you like to introduce the title of today's episode? Yes. So today we are exploring the question, is Twilight the worst hashtag relationship goals ever? We are, of course, talking about the infamous relationship between Bella Swan and Edward Cullen, who I think everyone seems to have a bit of a love-hate relationship with. Definitely. The first book came out in 2005, so I was 13 and Emma, you were 16. We were the ripe age for Twilight. Oh yeah. Peak target demographic. Teen girls already into the fantasy genre. What are your early memories of Twilight from that time? Well, so for me, I loved the first book and loved the first film. I kind of got into New Moon, but to be honest, Eclipse might as well have not happened for me. Couldn't <laughs> tell you what happened. Total eclipse of the mind. <laughs> eclipse of the memory. Exactly. I had to actually watch a quick summary of that one on YouTube, like before we recorded, because I was like, what was the point of Eclipse? Like, what <laughs> happened in that book? And the answer is not much. I still read <laughs> Breaking Dawn, but I think any strong feelings I had towards the series had started to wane by then. I mean, I think Breaking Dawn went to a place where you can only really get on board with it if you're already like invested, if you're already a committed fan, because otherwise you're a bit like, what the fuck is going on here? Oh yeah, Breaking Dawn, things get real messed up. We should also probably note that we're recording this before the release of Midnight Sun, but we are looking forward to sinking our teeth into it when it's available. Pun intended. I love the premise of the series and Edward and Bella are a pretty iconic couple whether you're a fan of their relationship or not. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us teens saw them as relationship goals before that was ever a thing. What comes to your mind when you hear that phrase? So images of chiseled couples on the beach, um, Mm -hmm. in bed, having duvet days, you know, power couples like the Beckhams. Yeah, Beyonce and Jay-Z. I guess it's kind of an aspirational shorthand for like the dream relationship. Yeah, exactly. But for those of you who are unfamiliar with this saga... It's quite hard to summarise. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's the classic boy meets girl, boy wants to eat girl, girl meets (laughs) werewolf. Yeah, boy leaves girl, girl takes up cliff diving, boy and girl get married. (laughs) And make undead baby, which eats its way out of girl wolf imprints on baby (laughs) it's actually do you know i mean it's all very predictable isn't it i mean there's a lot to unpack about the relationship but let's take a look at the good bits first what are your standout moments bridie so i really enjoyed bella meeting the cullens i love the stormy baseball match Mm, i will forever associate that muse song with that scene yeah exactly uh and i also enjoyed the many scenes in meadows It did leave me with some kind of unrealistic expectations of how much romantic time I might spend in Meadows. It's been quite a disappointment for me growing up, to be honest. Yeah, I think Twilight gave me unrealistic expectations on quite a few things. Um, Mm. I loved it when Edward saves her from the car. Yes, that's cool. I think we should also just acknowledge that vampires are sexy. Like The whole topic of vampires, I think they're a hot topic. Yeah, I do get it. I mean, the whole premise of the, oh no, I can't come too near you because I might just devour you because I want you so much. I mean, that's obviously very forbidden and sexy. I think generally I'm more team wolf. Are you? I wanted to ask what team are you on. So you are more team Jacob. 
I'm not actually team Jacob as an individual. No offense, Jacob, but I'm just, I'm not into his character that much. But I am team Wolf. Mm, we never go for the same guy. I know. It's a good thing. I'm definitely more about the people who turn into wolves because they, you know, they grow old and they're warm. The Cullens are all these glittery angels, which just didn't do it for me at all. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was way more interested in the pack of constantly topless men running around in those (laughs) little denim shorts, bursting out of their clothes with sheer manliness. Oh, that's interesting. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely more team vampire. I Mm. loved it. Loved Carlisle. Can can I just say, I got so confused when I was re-watching clips from Breaking Dawn. Carlisle doesn't die, does he? Because suddenly Michael Sheen's holding his head. No, 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 he doesn't die. That was all just a premonition from Alice. Ah, I see. It was all a dream. I now cannot hear Michael Sheen's name without thinking about the fact he's seen our Double Dream Hands video. (laughs) I know. I cannot believe that. We should probably explain to the listeners what that was. Basically, if you YouTube Double Dream Hands Dance, you'll see some magical choreography that we recreated in a performance with some family friends. In fact, we can just pop a link to it in the show notes. Not to our dance. Oh, no. Oh, God, no. No, no. To the original. (laughs) Basically, our our dad recorded our performance. Uh, Use that word loosely. Um, And apparently, he likes to share it with people he's been working with. So a few years ago, he did a play with Michael Sheen and to our horror, uh, revealed that he'd shown him our double dream hands dancing, which was very much like living room theatre performance. And I just stress. (laughs) I just have this vision that I'll be at a film premiere sometime and Michael Sheen will be there too and he'll see me and be like, hang on a second. (laughs) (laughs) I know you girls from somewhere. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, Carlisle is really cool. I quite like Jasper. I feel like in the first few films, they kind of forgot he was meant to be an American from the Confederate Army. Like that accent seemed to come in very late. Yeah. Well, in the first film, they're like, Jasper's our newest member. Like he's newborn, which is why he can't resist Bella's blood. But then suddenly he's meant to be from around the time of the Civil War, which would make him older than Edward. Hmm. Maybe he's, maybe he's just new to the family then, to their vegetarian Uh, lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. No, you're right. I mean, there are some plot holes in Twilight and I can cope with a few. I don't mind that. When I'm a teenager reading a book about vampires and werewolves, I'm not often thinking about the legitimacy of whether it all makes sense. I'm (laughs) just trying to enjoy the story. Although Mm. you do need a certain amount of consistency to make it work. Yeah, there has to be some boundaries. Yeah. And Twilight does overstep them a couple of times, I think. Definitely. But I can totally see the appeal of the vampire clan, particularly Robert Patterson. He Mm. is a gorgeous man. Obviously, never more gorgeous than when he is Cedric Diggory. Mm-hmm. I um, went to see him in The Lighthouse, which is a mad film. And I just decided that Robert Patterson is actually too handsome to be in black and white. But overall, if I had to choose which group I'd rather spend the rest of my life with, it would I think it would be the werewolves. I mean, they're not werewolves. <laughs> no, I keep saying werewolf. Like, they're fans. just wolves. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're shapeshifters. The Yuli, um, yeah. Uli pack. Sorry, Twilight fans. We know they're not werewolves. They're shapeshifters. (laughs) Please don't come for us. Don't come for us. (laughs) You know what we mean when we say werewolves, right? Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, okay, that's fair enough. I think I'm just just drawn to the vampire thing. I think my inner Mm. emo is feeling it. Yeah, I get that. The tortured soul. Exactly. The tortured soul. I think it's very sexy. (laughs) It is such a brilliant love triangle. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want two supernatural hotties vying for your attention? Everyone wants to be Bella. Yeah, exactly. So... What do you make of Bella as a protagonist? Well, she's quite shy, I guess. She's also 
She's a bit intense. I'm not sure mm. I can see us having much of a laugh together. I don't think she's got the best self-esteem. Mm. She, I think she's overall not a super empowering figure. Yeah, she's a little bit one-dimensional. And I know Stephanie Meyer has received a lot of flack about Bella. She's very focused on Edward. She kind of has zero ambition in any other area of her life. Yeah, she's got no desire to be involved in something bigger than that relationship or, you know, to contribute to society. Mm. I read that Bella, whether intentionally or unintentionally, was almost written a bit like an empty vessel. So any teenage girl reading that book can slip themselves into that character because there's nothing super definable about her. She's quite beige. Ouch. I was trying to think about what her strengths are, but if I'm honest, I was struggling a bit on that. What do you think? I'm not sure I necessarily approve of the choices she makes and the reason she makes them, but they are her own choices and she's quite headstrong about it all. Yeah, that's very true. She has confidence in her decisions. And she's quite firm with Jacob in her choice to not be with him and be with Edward. Mm, She punches him in the face when he kisses her. She does. I mean, he kisses her totally without her consent and she's obviously doesn't want him to kiss her so I think it's pretty valid response yeah no yeah that is definitely a strike against team wolf I don't think enough gets said about that moment really yeah I think Bella when I'm thinking about moments where she comes into her own when she's becoming a vampire and she's protecting Renesmee that kind of stands out for me I mean she's a very good mum yeah yeah she is immortality suits her though I think one of my biggest issues with Bella is that she was willing to give up her friends and family and was like, oh, that's fine. I don't need to speak to them or see them ever again if needed. <laughs> yeah, I, who needs friends and family when you've got a sexy undead boyfriend and, you know, you're going to live forever? <laughs> exactly. I think Kastu actually ended up getting a lot of flack for basically... <laughs> he laughing because I said Kastu. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't see it coming. <laughs> okay, so anyone unfamiliar, Kastu is an abbreviation of Christian Stewart. And what I was going to say <laughs> was that I think Kastu actually ended up getting a lot of flack for basically portraying a character how it was written. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's so true. We don't know how she was directed and all of those slightly exaggerated lip movements, the huffing and puffing. That could have all been the director. It is bad though, isn't it? Edward isn't much better. There's a lot of tensing up that jawline. Mm. Yeah, and I do think she's a great actress. I think that was just a very hard time. Totally. Yeah, she's brilliant. She's a really good actress. I've seen her in a few things and she's been fantastic. A lot of public criticism is that Bella's got no big character flaws. So Mm. she's very defenceless. She's quite submissive. And one of her biggest uh, quirks is that she's clumsy, which is... (laughs) Oh, mate. (laughs) Give me a break. I think the clumsy female character is a little bit of a trope. Like, it's a way of giving the character something that's a bit kooky, but that actually isn't that bad. Yeah, I think her clumsiness and her insecurity are meant to be, I guess, her vulnerabilities. What do you think Edward's vulnerabilities are? Well, obviously, physically, he doesn't have any. Do you think you could outrun me? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you could fight me off? It's a very good scene. Oh, I have seen some fantastic recreations of those scenes on TikTok. And I'm going to link to one in the show notes (laughs) because I sent it to you last night, didn't I? But it just cracked me up. Um, (laughs) He's very controlling of Bella in a lot of ways. Yeah, he watches her while she sleeps. Mm -hmm. Also a bit creepy. I really disliked how Robert Patterson went on and kind of made fun of his involvement with it. I thought that was a real dick move. Did he? Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, he's done it quite a bit. Mm. Well, he's very cool, isn't he? Yeah. 
He's no Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> no, he's not. And him and Kristen Stewart being together in real life, I think that helped fuel the fandom of the films. Oh, yeah. I loved that. It was all very exciting. Mm. Have you seen Trump's tweets about the relationship? About Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson? Mm. No. <laughs> okay. um, what does Trump have to say? <laughs> right, hold on. I'm just going to get them up and read them out to you. So these are from Trump's account, obviously before he was president, but even so, I can't do it. I'm not going to do a Trump voice. He says, Robert Pattinson, no. <laughs> he says, um, Robert Pattinson should not take back Christian Stewart. She cheated on him like a dog and will do it again. Just watch. He can do so much better. <laughs> yeah, that was the first tweet. And then there's, there's, there's lots more. of them. Oh, there's, there's a few. Uh, lots of responses to my Patterson slash Christian Stewart reunion. She will cheat again, 100 certain. Am I ever wrong? Well, <laughs> rhetorical question. <laughs> he's very invested. He's very invested. And I think he just, he's also just sent some very pro Robert Patterson tweets. So, um, uh, Robert Patterson, I'd feel a bit embarrassed about that. Oh, no yeah. one wants Trump on your side. Yeah, he says. So, this is another one. Uh, Miss Universe 2012 pageant will be airing, blah, blah, blah. Open invite stands for Robert Patterson. <laughs> Please, <laughs> he boy likes him. Yeah, God. <laughs> Can you imagine? I oh. think Trump's team vampire. <laughs> Christ. What do you think about Bella and Edward's relationship being described by some as borderline abusive? I agree it's bad the possessiveness and how she kind of becomes alienated from everyone she knows. I've got a quote from Wired about this, which I found really interesting. It says, I think it's fair to say that Edward and Bella's relationship is far from ideal. Many fans of the series think that it's unhealthy and frequently strays into dangerously abusive territory. In fact, one live journal user famously found 15 examples of behaviour that the National Domestic Abuse Hotline considers abusive in the New Moon film alone. A frightening fact, considering the hotline would consider a relationship abusive if even one of these items on that list was checked. Never mind 15. Edward controls who Bella is allowed to associate with, threatens to kill himself if anything happens to her, and frequently scares her in a variety of ways, such as driving too fast or abandoning her in the woods after breaking up with her. Mm, wow, so it ticks 15 examples of that behaviour. Mm, that's bad. Mm. I mean, I guess the counter-argument to that would be is that he's not possessive because he's a possessive person. He's a vampire who he can read people's thoughts, so I guess he knows the worst of what people are thinking. And she's isolated with him because him and his family are kind of part of this isolated, secret society. This is if we were giving him the benefit of the doubt, but watching it now as an adult, the intenseness, it is quite difficult to watch. Mm, yeah, I would agree with that. I guess when you're a 15-year-old, love and relationships do feel that intense and all-consuming. You kind of sort of believe you're in it forever. Yeah, first love is always very intense. I think teenage relationships in general are quite intense. Bella and Edward's relationship is not typically healthy. Um, mm. That's for sure. I don't think there's any argument about that. No. <laughs> Saying that though, what duty does Stephanie Meyer actually have, you know, if any, to present a healthy relationship to us? Maybe she just had a good idea about vampires and teen love and she wanted to write that. Like, what does she owe us in terms of that having to be a healthy relationship? As you've said, it's not a normal situation. If Edward was a human boy, then yeah, his behaviour is not justifiable. But because he's a vampire, I don't know, maybe I'm just trying to make it okay. 
I know what you're saying. It's it is an interesting question, like what responsibility do writers or directors or actors have to make work that encourages a certain set of morals? I guess on the flip side of that, you could say she's kind of glamorizing an abusive relationship and her audience are young and possibly more impressionable than an adult audience. So maybe there's a question about what you make look... Mm, what you make look appealing. Yeah, exactly. I think this goes back a long way. And when you think about how sexy Marlon Brando was in A Streetcar Named Desire, people mm. aren't saying, oh, Tennessee Williams, you shouldn't have. But then I suppose she doesn't end up with him? No, she does. She does. Oh, she does. Yes, yeah, Stella remains with him. She chooses him and sends her sister off. Oh, crap. I need to reread that. <laughs> but see, so Tennessee Williams hasn't received the same kind of flack about this as Stephanie Meyer has. No, but I think Stanley's a bad guy and, you know, Edward is meant to be our hero. Oh, right. Oh, okay. So so with a streetcar, it's like Stanley's a bad guy and this is a bad situation. Mm. But with Twilight, Stephanie's like, no, Edward's great. And that's the problem. Yeah, I think that's the problem. So yeah, Stanley in A Streetcar Named Desire, you're meant to be like, oh my God, this thug, how can she be with him? And then you see some of the magnetism that's between them. And you know, also how sexy Marlon Brando is in that film. Woof, in that tank top. Yeah, he looks gorgeous. And you kind of, in a really awful way, start to understand how their relationship is operating on this toxic chemistry that's going between them. Mm. And obviously it doesn't matter what a person looks like, he's awful, but ultimately... Their relationship isn't glamorized. He treats her horribly and it is really depressing and you want her to leave him. Edward's, I think with Edward, he's one of the main characters and he's our protector. Like he's deemed a good character. And so if a good character, someone who's one of the heroes of the story is possessive and says you can't see certain people, maybe as a reader, you'd be inclined to believe that it's for your own good rather than, you know, because they're behaving abusively. Yeah, that's all very true. I was reading an interview with Stephanie in The Guardian um, and I wanted to read you a bit of it. She says, I never decide to put a message in anything. I decide on a story that I think is exciting and I entertain myself. And then some of it obviously reflects my personal experience. I think she was someone who got married quite young. To a vampire. <laughs> exactly. She also has this bit in the frequently asked questions part of her website. So I wanted to show you this as well. It's a response to the question, is Bella an anti-feminist hero? Mm. And in it, she says... I never meant for Bella's fictional choices to be a model for anyone's real life choices. She is a character in a story, nothing more or less. On top of that, this is not even realistic fiction. It's a fantasy with vampires and werewolves. She says werewolves. <laughs> okay, we're allowed to say werewolves, even though they're shapeshifters. <laughs> okay. Jesus, Stephanie. <laughs> Stephanie, they're shapeshifters. <laughs> okay, sorry, anyway. Um, but... Do her choices make a negative example of empowerment? For myself personally, I don't think so. In my own opinion, keyword, the foundation of feminism is this, being able to choose. For Bella, marrying Edward was what she really wanted out of her life and it wasn't a phase she was going to grow out of. So I don't have an issue with her choice. She's a strong person who goes after what she wants with persistence and determination. So... I sort of guess what Stephanie's saying there is that if Bella wants to make those choices, then who are we to judge her? Yeah, I think that's interesting what she's saying about artists not being responsible for telling morality tales. Mm. And I agree that women should be allowed to make their own choice about the way they live their life. Yeah, if Bella wants to be a bit of a wet biscuit, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Although she does have occasional moments of spunkiness. Mm. I sort of 
I take a little bit of umbrage with Mayer's defense of, oh, you know, this is just fantasy fiction. So don't take it so seriously because, mm. I mean, some of my favorite stories are fantasy and we all know that they stem from real life. Mm, definitely. Also, if you're writing a relationship about a boy and a girl who meet at school, it's got one foot in the real world, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it has to or it just wouldn't be as gripping. It's interesting what Stephanie Meyer says about writing from her own perspective and life experience. She's quite religious, isn't she? I think so. Lev Grossman wrote about the series Eroticizing Abstinence, which is considered, I guess, kind of quite a Christian value. Well, I've got to admit, I did find the whole abstinence thing in Twilight sexy when I was reading it. Mm. I think as a teenage girl, quite frankly, meeting a boy who didn't want to have sex with you and was actively trying to resist it. That's hot. I was like, yeah. ooh, you know, let me try and convince you then. <laughs> Honestly, in our school, it was all like, oh, when you let think of you in graphics class, if you don't say yes, you're frigid. Oh, fuck off. I know, right? I'd rather have Edward Cullen suck my blood, thanks. Exactly. That is exactly it. I'm sorry, but when you've recently developed as a teen girl and you're dealing with regular sexual harassment, a fictional vampire who doesn't want to bang you is a fucking revelation. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> Sorry, that went a bit graphic. Maybe we should take that out. No, leave it in. Okay, I'll beep the names out. So I was talking to my housemate who was an avid Twilight fan and she said that she was waiting the whole of her teenage years for the time Edward and Bella were going to have sex and then mm. that whole scene is just slightly skirted over. There wasn't the detailed description that she wanted. It was all just like the next morning. And then loads of stuff about the aftermath. What? No way. I know. She was like, I need details. I need a step by step. <laughs> that is such a cop out. It's so wrong. Mm. It's kind of like in the way of not seeing the shark in Jaws kind of makes it scarier. It's really sexy because they never have sex. Mm. It's this unseen thing. So you can make it even better in your mind. It's like, I have no idea what it is, but I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Maybe this is a good moment to play Snog Marry Cruise. Yes. I've been thinking about what to do for this one. So I'm going to do Snog Marry Cruise, Edward, Jacob and Carlisle. Those are my three. It's difficult because Carlisle is obviously a very good guy. Would I be a vampire if I married Edward or Carlisle? Uh, I don't know. Would you be a vampire? I'm going to go with yes. Yes, you would. If you marry Edward or Carlisle, you're committing to immortality. That's difficult because on the one hand, living for hundreds of years would be kind of cool. But at some point, I think, you know, I mean, everyone I know would die. And I guess it become pretty lonely and isolating. And then I guess on the other hand, maybe having all those powers would be kind of cool. Mm. I think ultimately, even though he annoys me, I would marry Jacob because we could grow old together and die, which is just nicer and normal. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Which leaves me cruising with Wait, does Bella exist in this reality? Because I cannot be dealing with the competition. Uh, no, no, Bella doesn't exist in this scenario. It's tricky because Edward is very attractive. <laughs> Maybe I'd cruise with Edward and shag Carlisle. I just, I don't want Edward to ignore me for six months. That's so true. Yeah, I know I keep coming back to this point, but it does depend on whether they're shagging on the cruise. I know we've said it before. It is very important. He'd also know what I was thinking the whole time. He'd be like, get your mind out the gutter. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the risk you take with the cruise. What would yours be? Well, I'm going to marry one of the vampires, whether it would be Edward or Carlisle. I think Carlisle might be a little bit more of a laugh than Edward. So I'm going to marry Carlisle, mm. shag Edward and cruise with Jacob. Lovely. Something I also wanted to say about Bella and Edward's relationship 
is that yes, young teenagers are impressionable, but also young women are stronger than we give them credit for. So, Mm. you know, both of us were prime viewership for that story, but I haven't now as a woman in my thirties, I don't feel like I've been brainwashed by Twilight. I'm still a fan and I enjoyed it, but can think critically about it. Yeah, exactly. So I do feel some kind of line should be acknowledged where it's like, I can see that this is an unhealthy relationship, but I'm still going to enjoy the fantasy. Mm. Like, I don't know, give us some credit as well. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's true. Though I do think that I absorbed a lot of information about, you know, gender expectations through what I watched and read. I definitely believe that as a young woman, I was dependent on male approval for status, which is an idea that's kind of threaded through lots of stories and generally just through popular culture. I think it soaked into my behavior and probably my self-esteem, but then I did develop on from that. Um, I definitely became much more confident as an adult and started to look less externally for validation. But I know what you mean. Like young women aren't just blank canvases to be scrawled on. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting what you're saying though. I mean, maybe we would have been different people if we'd consumed different types of stories and media when we were younger or come to the kind of conclusions we're coming to now we would have come to those earlier if we'd been consuming different types of media. I guess we'll never know. We didn't have Frozen when we grew up. Oh my God, no. I would have loved that. Or Brave. Exactly. We did have the Spice Girls. We did have the Spice Girls. They were great. So one of my favourite responses to Twilight is this dramatic reading of some fan fiction that I wanted to play for you. Mm, Okay. It's basically... Um, Edward is meeting Dracula. <laughs> Edward meets Dracula. Oh my God. Yeah, that's so funny because when I was talking to my husband about this episode, I was like, yeah, we're going to do an episode in Twilight. And he said, oh, that's the Dracula one. And I was like, uh, <laughs> no. No. no, no, no. Maybe I'll just play you the bit where he goes to rescue Bella and Dracula wants to strike a deal with him. Mm, okay. And Dracula opened with the door and said to Edward Sillin, I am Darklua. Who is you? And Edward Cluin said, Back at see him that I is Edward Cullen, and I'm Vampy too. And Nad, I need yours help to defeat the evil zombie guys who want to kill my girlfriend. And Darklua said, Come in, castle. And Edward followed too. Then Dracula take him to the gun room, where Vas guns stole from Bulgarian army guys. These guns should be helped us, Edvard's axed from Dracula, and but Dracula said back to the him, Yes, it will, but you must make sex with me, or I won't not help you. Edvard thought it was Olgi to make sex with man person, but he had to save Belle, so he remraked, Okay, let's do it. And Draclu droped his robe to the ground. Then they start to kiss, and they had sex for six house and it good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, so mm. but it might not be. This might not, not be appropriate. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, like, because obviously someone has written. I mean, I'd say like an 11, 12 year old. I was going by the. Yeah, I think someone's written that in a frenzy. <laughs> 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 they make love for six house, and it did good. Oh, <laughs> Stephanie Meyer should have taken a leaf out of that book. But, <laughs> That has got more description of sex than Twilight. Yeah, exactly. It's worth remembering that Fifty Shades of Grey was initially written as Twilight fan fiction. Was it? Yeah. I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey was awful. So dreadful. Yeah. And I hate to sound like a literary snob because I'm not. I read anything and everything, but 
Did you read any of it? I've tried to. Like a bit, but no, I didn't get very far. There was nowhere sci-fi fantasy element, so I lost interest pretty quickly. I think if Christian Grey had been a vampire, I might have been interested. I know. Why did she stray so far? I read something interesting about the legacy of Twilight. So initially the films had a relatively low budget to begin with. I mean, we could talk about how they spent their budget because that CGI Renesme baby. <laughs> oh my God. Did you see the puppet that it was originally? Yes, so bad. I saw a TikTok that said that the actress who plays Rosalie deserved a fucking Oscar for being in a scene with that puppet. Oh my God, she does. That was traumatizing. Anyway, that aside, they didn't think it was going to do very well at the box office at all because it was a story for young teen girls, but then it did do well. And I was reading this Guardian article where they quote Melissa Silverstone, um, who's from Women in Hollywood, and she says, the part that shocked Hollywood was that the film's stunning success was fueled by girl power. The general consensus in Hollywood is that films and books made for men and boys are seen as universal and that things that are made for women and girls are somehow seen as other. Women are seen as a niche audience. Yes, that's so true. She says this nicheification of women has been one of the most enduring problems facing the much maligned chick flick. The sensation of Twilight in 2008 caused Hollywood studios to perk up and pay attention to the new ticket buying demographic, young women, and let's be honest, their vampire struck mums. <laughs> my god a thousand times yes to that article absolutely i thought it was quite interesting i mean although it's a shame how sometimes someone's value can seem to be equated with their buying power mm. capitalist society um <laughs> however the idea that she says is really pertinent about women's interests being other and i remember marrying keys in dolly alderton's love stories podcast saying exactly that yeah that's so true and yeah really interesting so rounding back to our initial question, mm. do you think Twilight has the worst hashtag relationship goals ever? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, they obviously love each other, but if Bella was my friend, I would have really encouraged her to dump him. And personally, I wouldn't become a vampire for some guy, though I do respect that's her choice. What do you mm. think? Yeah, I agree. I respect her choice and I don't think Ed is the worst fictional guy in the world. No. But I definitely don't think there's anything goal-like about their relationship. <laughs> yeah, I get that the vampire thing is cool. What would you want your power to be if you were a vampire? Well, so I was actually talking about superpowers with some friends the other day, and we all agreed that instant transportation would be really cool. Mm, so yeah. you could be like, oh, I fancy going to India for dinner tonight, and then boom, you're there. Oh my God, that would be so cool. How about you? Well, I quite like Renesmee's power, where she, you know, she can touch people and show them her memories and thoughts. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And Alice seeing the future would be helpful, although also probably pretty traumatizing. Oh yeah, it would. Yeah, she's one of the best characters. Oh yeah. Although a literal embodiment of manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. She had such iconic hair, didn't she? Oh, the best. It was an epic feathering happening there. <laughs> so that's probably about time for us today. We'd love to connect with fellow fans, so please do follow us on our socials. We'll leave links to these and all the media and articles we've referenced in this episode in the show notes below. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to validate us by rating and reviewing us in the charts. It will really help us to keep this podcast going. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Bye.